From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on July 21st, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we hit the road and see Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in Tiga K. Senator Lindsey Graham may face a primary challenger in 2026. Shocker. Yeah, he's probably going to face a lot of people. But one name that's being thrown around might shock you even more. Ah! We have jobs numbers for you and a report from South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan and Victoria Hansen and much more. Now, what's not shocking is just how much we love our listeners. That's obvious. Everyone knows that. You know that. That's why you listen. You say, Gavin, oh, this is like a warm blanket every time we hear you. But what would make this blanket even warmer is if I had a few more people in it. And you can do that by calling us at 803-563-7169. The blanket is big. It's warm. It's open for everyone, even though we are in a heat dome right now. If you guys aren't being hydrated, be safe out there. Uh, But we want you to give us a shout and... uh, Talk to us on the blanket. <laughs> the bl- I, I don't know how much more I can ask. I've been asking for so much, and you guys don't give me much. But um, AT's birthday's coming up, so we need to start celebrating, guys. We just celebrated my birthday. We got to hear from you guys. 803-563-769. Name, information, uh, blanket, uh, static electricity. Uh, what you guys want to talk about, let us know. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis made his second swing through South Carolina this past week. This is his second time visiting the state since he became a presidential candidate. He held a rally in Tiga K on Monday, then a press conference at a hangar at the Columbia Metropolitan Airport, where he also had a one-on-one interview with CNN's Jake Tapa. As part of his campaign's move to do more media interviews outside of the conservative media ecosystem. I covered the two-term Florida governor in Tiga Kay, which is a wealthy community near Lake Wiley in York County up by the North Carolina line. So basically a Charlotte suburb. Fight me, Tiga Kay. 803-563-769. Now there, DeSantis held a town hall event before some 900 folks and shared his vision for America and contrasted himself with former President Donald Trump, as several in the audience see DeSantis as a more viable alternative. A self-described hardcore Trump supporter told DeSantis during the question-and-answer session that he had won her over in making his case as the Trump alternative. Listen to this exchange. I'm a very hardcore Trump supporter, but I know he made me stop and think a minute because my love for President Trump comes from all the despair, all the things that he's been through, has served as our president of the United States. And he did a good job. But all the things I'm thinking more with my heart and my sorrow and my love for him and for this country. But now I have, this is the most important vote that we're going to have. And I have to think more with my mind and what's best for this country. And you did an excellent job. And I certainly God bless you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, you know, I agree with you. I appreciate what President Trump did, uh, how they treated him with things like Russia collusion was a disgrace. And, uh, and he was treated wrong. Uh, he was treated in ways that were unconstitutional. Uh, but here's the thing. The question for us now is what are we going to do about it? 
and we need to end the weaponization of government. I will get that done. It's not about me, it's about you. It's about me standing up for you and standing up for this Constitution and restoring this country to what the Founding Fathers envisioned, and, and we, will, we will get it done. We will be focused, we will be disciplined, and we will make it happen. So thank you for that. God bless you. Now, if that doesn't just sum up the state of this race, then I don't know what does, folks. But winning over Trump voters is easier said than done. And with Trump maintaining a strong, solid block of Republican voters, it's hard to make much headway, not to mention maintain momentum, something that is affecting DeSantis right now. The large turnout for DeSantis was on par with crowds he drew during his three stops across the state during his first swing on June 2nd. That was just days after his formal announcement. Despite the large crowds and raising nearly $20 million during the first six weeks of his campaign, he faces slipping poll numbers and is burning through cash that's primarily coming from high-dollar donors, leading him to change staffing and messaging strategies. Momentum. DeSantis took seven questions from the audience, ranging from school lunches to Israel and funding for Ukraine to his stance on the safety of mRNA vaccines, such as those that were given emergency use authorization during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, we are absolutely going to restore safety uh, to all this stuff with the vaccines. And I think one of the things that we've done over the years, they develop these things and then you can't sue for any side effects. So their incentive is not to create the safest product because they know they're going to get liability protection. So their incentive is to rush as much out to market as they can. Here's what we're doing in Florida. Uh, I have the ability as governor to convene a what's called the statewide grand jury. So the statewide grand jury is now seated in the state of Florida. They're hearing testimony. And what they're basically trying to determine is, you know, what misrepresentations and lies were made about the mRNA COVID shots. Because remember, when they first got rolled out, they said they were 100% effective. You were told if you took it, you would not get COVID, and they wouldn't even let you discuss any type of side effects. Now, DeSantis won accolades from conservatives for not shutting Florida down during the pandemic and fighting federal health guidance. Like you heard, he petitioned the Florida Supreme Court in December to convene a statewide grand jury to look into misrepresentations and any potential lies that were made about mRNA COVID shots. Now, the next day, Tuesday, DeSantis held a press conference in Columbia outlining his mission-first military plan that would, quote, rip political agendas out of our military, restore military standards, break up the swamp and promote accountability, and turn the tide against Biden's military recruitment crisis. Well, those are all of his words. That's his policy. Now, CNN's Jake Tapa asked him about woke in the military and how it wasn't as big of a problem as he's making it out to be. Listen to that exchange in their interview that took place shortly after that press conference. So I hear you, recruitment without question is a problem. The Army did this survey, uh, I'll give you a copy of it if you want, they haven't released it, but I got my hands on a copy, and it looked at, it surveyed people, I think 16 to 28 barriers to service, and beyond the ones such as don't want to die, don't want to be injured, don't want to be away from my family. The biggest issues were the number two issue, women and racial or ethnic minorities are discriminated against in the Army. Wokeness is listed here, but it's only, it's only number nine. Um, so that would suggest that wokeness is not as big. Well, but I think there's an issue about, like, not everyone really knows what wokeness is. I mean, I've defined it, but a lot of people who rail against wokeness can't even define it. And so I think it's a sense of, you know, this is not something that's, that's holding true to the core martial values that make the military unique. Uh, and I can tell you, the veterans, you don't have to look far and wide. Go to a VFW hall, go to an American Legion. Uh, there's huge amount of concern 
about the direction uh, that the military is going with all this. And here's the thing, things like DEI and all that stuff, it hasn't worked in other aspects of society. It very well may be on the constitutional chopping block in light of the uh, Supreme Court's decision on, on racial discrimination in higher education. And so it's not a model that I think is going to be successful in the military. And so we're going to do uh, what has been successful in the past, and I think you're going to see better recruiting as a result. Of course, the biggest news that eclipsed all of this reset was the news that former President Donald Trump received a target letter from special counsel Jack Smith in his investigation into overturning the results of the 2020 election and the January 6th siege of the U.S. Capitol, which will likely result in a forthcoming indictment for Trump. Here's DeSantis's response to whether Trump should be held accountable if there is evidence of criminality. This country is going down the road of criminalizing political differences, and I think that's wrong. Alvin Bragg stretched a statute in, in Manhattan to be able to try to target Donald Trump. Most people, even people on the left, acknowledge if that wasn't Trump, that case would not have likely been brought uh, against a normal civilian. And so you have a situation where the Department of Justice, FBI, uh, have been weaponized uh, against people they don't like. And the number one example of that happened to be against Donald Trump with the Russia collusion. Uh, that was not a legitimate investigation that was being done to try to drive Trump out of office. And so what I've said as president, my job is to restore a single standard of justice to end weaponization of these agencies. We're going to have a new FBI director on day one. Uh, we're going to have big changes at the Department of Justice. Americans across the political spectrum need to have confidence that what is going on is based on the rule of law, not based on what political tribe you're in. And then the second thing I would say is this country needs to have a debate about the country's future. If I'm the nominee, we'll be able to focus on President Biden's failures, and I'll be able to articulate a positive vision for the future. Uh, I don't think it serves us good to have a presidential election focused on what happened four years ago uh, in January. And so I want to focus on looking forward. I don't want to look back. I, I do not want to see him. I hope he doesn't get charged. I don't think it'll be good for the country. Uh, but at the same time, I've got to focus on looking forward, and that's what we're going to do. Now, to wrap all this up, I do want to include the voice of someone I spoke with in TKK, and that is Tyler Johnson. He's a 57-year-old resident from the area who is a software product manager. He said he was impressed by DeSantis' ability to speak frankly and from his heart on a variety of domestic and foreign issues without notes or a teleprompter. Johnson, who remains undecided, would have asked DeSantis not how he's different from Trump, but from South Carolina's two homegrown candidates, former Governor Nikki Haley and Senator Tim Scott. Well, it clearly affects the race, uh, and I was and still am a huge Trump supporter from a policy standpoint, but I personally would like to see different approaches to invoke those policies. And I think the demeanor of somebody like Santis, DeSantis, excuse me, or Tim Scott, or Nikki Haley is more aligned with where I would like to see the country go. That doesn't mean if Trump's the, if Trump's the uh, Republican nominee, I will absolutely be voting for him. And also at the start of his Tiga K rally, three protesters unfurled two LGBTQ pride flags that led to this situation. And you can hear one protester yelling before they were escorted out. They're all of our children. And, you know, first of all, as a dad of six, a five, and a three-year-old, uh, they're, not, they're not my children, they're not his children, I can tell you that. But when he's sitting here talking about uh, all of our children, I have something to say to him. Why don't you focus on spending more time with your granddaughter in Arkansas, or at least acknowledge he exists, 
before you worry about our children. And they shouldn't be worrying about our children either. We don't want you indoctrinating our children. Leave our kids alone. And I promised you that we'd have part of Vivek Ramaswamy's comments from last week's Family Leader Forum in Des Moines, Iowa, where thousands of evangelicals who make up some 60% of Republican primary voters in Iowa turned out to hear from half a dozen of the top 2024 candidates, sans Donald Trump. Ramaswamy, who wrote the book on anti-woke called Woke Incorporated, energized the crowd and host Tucker Carlson. One of his biggest applause lines came at the expense of Vice President Kamala Harris. I don't think the dividing line in our country is between Republicans and Democrats right now. I think it is between those of us who are pro-American, who believe in the ideals of this country, who will not apologize for those ideals, who will stand up and sacrifice for those ideals, and those of us who are, and it exists in this country, Vice President's a great embodiment of this, anti-American. Those who wish to apologize for a nation founded on our ideals. But if you divide it up that way, it is not 50-50 anymore. It's not even close. It's easily 80-20 in our favor. And half the 20 are people younger than me who never learned what those ideals were in the first place. We're going to bring them along too. And I think we have an opportunity to do in this country in 2024 what Ronald Reagan did in 1980, deliver a landslide election, call the bluff on the division. Much of it is artificial. I fell for it, right? Even when I started this campaign, running for Republican candidate for U.S. president, I don't even talk about Republicans that much anymore. I, I try not to use the word, not because it's a bad word, but because it doesn't mean anything. Right? If half the Republican, three-quarters of the Republican Party's got the same policy as Biden on the most important force policy matter of our time, you know, and if much of the Democratic Party, or at least people on the south side of Chicago, believe in using the military on the southern border and putting the interests of Americans first, I'm not sure those labels are doing much for us now. Ramaswamy has been gaining traction in national polls, and according to Real Clear Politics' average of polls, puts the outspoken 37-year-old at 4.8% or fourth place behind Trump, DeSantis, and former Vice President Mike Pence. Now that's according to an average of national polls, folks, which are great, whatever, whatever, whatever. But when you look at early voting state polls, Ramaswamy is polling much lower. Now here's Vivek also weighing in on Ukraine, and he echoed the sentiment of other Republicans when it comes to the border crisis. I think there is no basis for us to send our young men and women, our sons and daughters, people my age or any age, to go defend somebody else's border halfway around the world when we should be using our own military to secure our own border in this country. And I will not apologize for that. We have to put the interests of this country first. And one of the things that does frustrate me, Tucker, is that this is one issue where I, I so love many of the other people who are running for this nomination for president. I think most of us and the entire field I speak for are in this for the right reasons. We are people who care about our country and want to deliver our country to a better place. But on this issue, nearly our entire field is indistinguishable in practice from where Biden is on this, which is in an undefined, ill-defined way, pouring more money into a war that I think is destined to become Vietnam or Iraq all over again. Now, Ramaswamy has been back to South Carolina since he did his four-day bus tour back in late April. Late April, folks. Now, that could account for why he's barely registering on the polls down here in this state. 
though many folks I spoke with at the Trump rally in Pickens like him and would love to see him as Trump's running mate. Think about that. Now let's get up to Washington for a bit. Okay, I know. Oh, Washington. Uh. But the House and Senate were in last week, and this coming week is their last week before August recess. We need August recess. That's what we need. That's right. Your reps and our senators will be back in the state and out and about for the next month, especially Senator Tim Scott, who will have unfettered time to hit the campaign trail hard. Now, y'all remember when that crowd of Trump supporters booed Senator Lindsey Graham for several minutes in his home county of Pickens earlier this month? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome United States Senator Lindsey Graham. All right. Thank y'all. Thank you all very much. Welcome to Pickens County. A little bit about this county. Just calm down for a second. Yeah, it was in our pod from that rally. Well, that is a strong enough indication for some folks that they think they should run against Graham in the 2026 primary. And by some folks, I mean 5th Congressional District Republican Ralph Norman, who has received the most attention of his political career this year. Gone are the days of folks confusing him for former Democratic Virginia Governor Ralph Notham. No, 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 the people now know Ralph Norman thanks to the House Freedom Caucus and his role in the Speaker's fight, getting onto the House Rules Committee, and getting amendments passed in the National Defense Authorization Act, among other things. That's right, some wind in the sails for the 70-year-old Norman, who has been in Congress since June of 2017, after his predecessor, Mick Mulvaney, went to go work as budget director for then-President Donald Trump. Now, Political Playbook has first reported this scoop that Norman is considering a primary challenge to Graham in three years. Take a number, Congressman. Graham always attracts several primary challengers, and the man still garners enough support to avoid runoffs. That's right, more than 50%. Now, could his political luck change? Sure, it's politics. Stuck around long enough and up becomes down. We all know that. But Norman, who has previously endorsed Graham, doesn't have Trump in his corner like Graham does. Remember when everyone kept saying, why is Graham so tight with Trump? Why is he doing all this Trumpy stuff? Why is he defending him in all these cases? Why is he endorsing him again? Because Lindsey Graham is a political animal and knows how to stay alive. He knows the value of compromise in an era where such a word is blasphemy. And Graham has supported judges appointed by Democrats and Republicans alike. And was the only Republican in South Carolina to support the bipartisan infrastructure law. Now that we're midway through his fourth term we can expect to see Graham start shifting toward that more red meat base, that fiery Graham. But even with the threats from rhino hunters within his own party, Graham should be happy that he has $14 million in his campaign account. Remember, he raised $112 million in the 2020 cycle. He blew out three challengers in the primary with 68% of the vote and beat Democrat Jamie Harrison by 10 points in the general. So just something to think about three years from now. <laughs> We're looking for news this week. Also, a moment of note. The House will come to order. Okay. I, yeah, I, yes, we're in order, freshman lawmaker Congressman Russell Fry. I was just going to introduce the 7th District Republican who presided over the House vote this week on the Federal Aviation Administration reauthorization vote. On this vote, the yeas are 351 and the nays are 69. The bill is passed without objection. A motion to reconsider is laid on the table. There was strong bipartisan support for the reauthorization. Guess everyone supports not breaking the country's aviation system compared to the National Defense Authorization Act vote last week. No big deal there, just national security. Now, this bill reauthorizes the FAA to operate for the next five years to the tune of $103 billion. Of that, $4 billion a year will go toward airport modernization efforts. 
boosting training and recruitment efforts for air traffic controllers, among others. Now, House lawmakers didn't touch the number of hours required for pilot training and did not expand flights at Ronald Reagan National Airport. Sorry. The bill now heads to the Senate, where things have been a bit more deadlocked, specifically when it comes to loosening training hours for pilots. The bill, or an extension, needs to get to President Joe Biden's desk for his signature by the end of September. Just a little Jackson trivia right here. (gasps) Jay Jackson, 31 years at FAA. Actually, he might have done 41. How old is he? My father, inventor of this podcast. Anyway, let's go from Congress to Columbia, where the other week, Governor Henry McMaster held a ceremonial bill signing for a tougher drunk driving law in the state that has been years in the making. The new law requires all convicted impaired drivers to have an ignition interlock device installed in their vehicles for six months. The new law, which also requires interlocks for repeat offenders, comes as South Carolina grapples with a 45% spike in drunk driving deaths in just two years. Most recently, a 26% increase in lives taken by this crime in 2021, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 401 people were killed in 2021 from drunk driving. That was the highest since 2007, according to Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Now, 34 other states have enacted laws that either require or highly incentivize ignition interlocks for all drunk drivers, beginning with the first offense. MAD reports an average 16% reduction in drunk driving deaths as a result. Moving on, Scott Morgan with South Carolina Public Radio has a brief update for us on foreclosures in the state. Right now, South Carolina has the sixth highest foreclosure rate in the country. Scott has more. Throughout the COVID pandemic, home sales in South Carolina were brisk, to put it mildly. This year, home sales statewide are down, about 19 percent through the first half of 2023, according to South Carolina Realtors, which attributes the slump to lower inventory and higher borrowing costs. In the middle of this trend, there is a rise in foreclosures across the U.S. that is nearing pre-pandemic levels. That's according to real estate industry tracker Adam, which finds that South Carolina posted the sixth highest foreclosure rate in the country in the first half of this year. 0.19% of all housing units in the state had a foreclosure filing through June. That's just over 4,500 properties. And that rate ties with Florida, making South Carolina and Florida the only two southern states among the 10 with the highest foreclosure rates so far this year. Columbia's rate of 0.29% was the fourth highest among American cities measured. Florence's 0.26 was eighth. While we're talking about economic news, we have new jobs numbers for you. South Carolina's unemployment rate for the month of June remained unchanged at 3.1%, according to the State Department of Employment and Workforce. Due Director William Floyd said in a statement, quote, with a record high of 2,357,455 individuals working and a low, unchanged unemployment rate of 3.1% for June, the state's labor force participation rate grew from 56.5% in May to 56.7% in June. That is good news for South Carolina, which continues attracting top-tier employers, quote. The monthly survey of businesses in South Carolina marked an estimated increase of 6,200 non-farm payroll jobs over the month. The top three industries reporting gains were government, to the tune of 3,700 jobs, education health services, adding 1,900 jobs, and construction, gaining 1,500. The top losers were leisure and hospitality, trade, transportation, utilities, and manufacturing now, let's head to the low country, where the name of the game is always about development, or rather overdevelopment. Hmm? Guess that just depends on who you ask, right? Well, South Carolina Public Radio's Victoria Hansen was on St. Helena Island, where the Gullah Geechee have called home for more than 200 years. Roughly 1 million Gullah Geechee live along the southeast coast, but their populations are diminishing, as is their rural land. Here's Victoria. 
Sarah Reynolds Green plucks yellow squash from twisting vines. On the same land, her enslaved ancestors pick cotton. They were forced to work it, and they knew the value of it. Green's great-grandfather bought 20 acres on St. Helena Island after the Civil War. Thousands of other newly freed Africans bought land here, too. Whenever anyone walks on the soil here on St. Helena, they feel something. It's here on this secluded island not far from Buford. The direct descendants of slaves, known as Gullah Geechee, have farmed and fished for nearly 200 years, preserving their distinct African culture and traditions. Roughly one million Gullah Geechee still live along the southeast coast, but their populations are diminishing, as is their rural land. When word spread on St. Helena seven months ago, a developer had purchased 500 acres. Islanders like 86-year-old Joe Freeman lined up outside the county administration building to sign petitions. Yes, I'm worried, big time worried. Inside, Islanders packed hallways to get into public meetings, and they prayed. Amen. They held up signs before county leaders, reading, no golf courses, no gated communities. But a golf course is what the developer wants to build. Despite a zoning law, this community wrote decades ago banning them. Islanders worry golf course chemicals could pollute their waterways, and multi-million dollar homes would increase property taxes. A 2005 National Park study found such development has displaced Gullah Geechee people. But developer Elvio Tropiano says his golf course would benefit the community. He drives along the pristine property known as Pine Island. It's got a lot of views that a lot of people haven't been able to see for a really long time. Tropiano says the golf course would not only allow public access to the property, which is registered nationally as historic, but it would educate visitors and raise money for Gullah Geechee people. The 35-year-old who moved to St. Helena from New York insists he has the community in mind and has asked himself, How do I create recognition and generate resources in a manner that does not displace people? Tropiano wants his property removed from the island's zoning ordinance and says if it's not, he'll have to make good on his investment by building more than 160 luxury homes. Some islanders fear that could be worse than a golf course. But preservation attorney Will Cook calls the threat disingenuous. There is no guarantee that he could max out the zoning envelope and the way that he is proposing that he can do. Cook says multiple state and federal permits would be needed. He and local conservationists would like to see the land preserved. But Tropiano says he does not intend to sell. Meantime, Islanders wonder why it's taken the county so long to uphold the zoning law. Council members just denied Tropiano's exemption request. Now he's suing and appealing to build three six-hole golf courses. Dr. Marie Gibbs grew up on the island and works at its Penn Center, the first school for freed slaves in the South. When someone comes here with their dreams, we already have our dream. We're living our dreams. Gibbs says islanders don't need a golf course or help raising money for Gullah Geechee people. They need the land that has sustained them the way it is, unspoiled and resilient. People don't understand. The land is me. You see me. I am that. I am that. Through the land, Gibbs says, Gullah Geechee people thrived despite slavery. They will fight, she says, to save every acre. 
Thanks, Victoria. You can find that report and more original reporting at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Welcome to the wind-down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. This is our chance to talk about things, and oh, oh. now I can talk face-to-face with my friend A.T. Shire. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry, co-worker A.T. Shire. Co-worker, thank you very much, yes. You, that's uh, a let's, little, keep it, let's keep it for, that's, that's a little south of spooky. That's a spooky For bite, our okay. uh, extended universe fans. <laughs> you guys know what we're talking about. The lead EU. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, Gavin, thank you for having me. I am in studio. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, and uh, it's just so good to be home. I'm so happy I'm not in Maine, but sadly... I got no time to myself. Not really, sadly. I like them. But uh, my my nephew and sister-in-law are, are already in town and are here through the Non-stop. Weekend. This man's a go-getter family man. Once. Everyone says that about me. <laughs> everyone says that about He's me. He's so good. I'm just, He's the best. I'm everyone so says, good. I'm such a family man. He has high, a lot of family. He's high energy. Family. Very nice Low guy. Low high energy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, once Monday comes when we record the next episode of The Lead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This my 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 crazy schedule that started with Spoleto in May finally ends, <sighs> and I can't wait for that. But anyway, this I'm, is I'm going to weigh in on that too because I'm not. I have nothing planned this weekend. That's good for I'm you. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and by the time people hear this, it'll be too late because I won't be. Able to <laughs> you can't stop me. I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm going to crawl under my bed. Yes. I'm not coming out. You can't no. make me come out. You're like my cat. <laughs> I'm going to be in there. <laughs> You're like my cat. I'm going to be Garfield for this weekend. I'm going to eat lasagna <laughs> in bed. <laughs> It's going to be disgusting. <laughs> you, should, you, can, you should see this guy take down a lasagna. You it's could impressive. just call me and be like John and just read John quotes like, oh, Garfield, blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to my cat because I have problems. Like, yeah. Uh, Nothing wrong with that, I guess. Hey, but you are Garfield. John gets okay. a little too. Well, I would rather be Garfield than John. Yeah, uh, you got big normal energy. Tonight. <laughs> I want to see Garfield and a Kathy cartoon mashup. Oh, where's that crossover? Yeah, needs to happen. Anyway, Gavin, we got to call. This isn't about us. Uh, okay, we always make it about us. <laughs> it's about them. Mm. Okay, and their representative for this episode calling. It's a second time caller, returning friend. Are you mm. ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Gavin and AP. It's Daniel, your friendly truck driver up in Lawrence. I'm driving a new route at work, and I'm putting a lot more miles up in the upstate. And maybe hearing Gavin talk about Fast and the Furious and family maybe really want to talk about road safety again. we got a lot of people on vacation traveling unfamiliar roads and... Facing a lot of weird traffic in places that you don't expect it. And I want people to please be safe out there. Take a look at the traffic map before you leave. Check it anytime it's safe to do so. Know what exit you're going to take. And please, I see this multiple times a day, every day. Stop pulling in front of big trucks right at the last minute to get to your exit or changing lanes right at the last minute. We don't want to hit anybody. We definitely don't want to see anybody get hit. And if an accident happens in front of us, we may be making it a lot worse. We want everybody's family to make it home safe. And that way we can all enjoy those cookouts on the weekends and enjoy our vacations. Love you guys. Appreciate the hard work that's put into the pod. It keeps me uh, entertained and informed. And I look forward to Saturday's show. 
Daniel, thank you for that. We love to hear from you. That love was some, Daniel. A, a good little way to refresh people and, you know, guys, be, just be better drivers out there, you know? Just so, perfect timing by Daniel. He knows everyone is going to be driving out there oh, yeah. at this time of year. So, yeah. I, I am and, getting sick of driving. Oh, I hate it. I, I mean, done with driving. Every single one of my vacations. Thank you, by the way, Daniel. And I do listen to your advice about when to get in front of when you can see the lights. Yes. I do that now. Yeah. But every single one of my vacations, Christmas, I go to Jersey yeah. and I drive every day. Yep. I go to Maine. Nothing's close to everything. I drive every single day. I'm sick of going on a vacation yes. and just, driving. just to drive. It's crazy to Wait me. till we go to Miami, brother. Oh. We gotta drive anywhere. Oh, We're gonna God. be living in the I that. can't wait. I can't <clears throat> wait to have time and be like, Gavin will be like, do you want to walk to the beach? And I'll go, no. Yeah, I do. I looked at we are we are like we're too far from the beach. Oh, we have to cross a bridge. We're not in South Beach. I'm we're sure like there's a over pool. In Edgewater. I'll, there I'll, is, but it's thirty dollars for a lounge chair. What? I, I, like, I knew you would react like that. What? I don't care about you. I will spend the thirty bucks. That is the most New Jersey thing. No, I've ever that's Miami, baby. Oh, no, it's New Europe. Jersey. If you want to go to the beach in New Jersey, you got to pay for parking hourly. Mm. You got to pay to get on the well, beach. I've always. You got to pay to you, sit down. Gotta, someone has to pump your gas for you. It's we don't true. have left hand yeah. turns. Like yeah, Jersey's not a great place. Uh, we know. Speaking of that, uh, <laughs> my nephew who lives in New Jersey, he, uh, Caitlin, and I, we had to fill up the car today, <gasps> and he goes, oh, "You get to pump your own gas." And he yes, was like, can America. I do it? And he was excited to Catches go out on fire. and pump the gas. I need into the backstory. I'm sure someone like lit a match or they were smoking cigarettes and all of a sudden they caught on fire. And Jersey's like, that's <laughs> it. We can't do it. We got to get jobs for these people. I just love that in New Jersey, if you if you're not used to it and you get out and just start doing it, mm. they rush over. Sure. And they're like, what are you doing? I don't know, and being then, a human. Then they hide. They're like, you, this is a sophisticated piece of equipment. <laughs> and you're like, I, I could use a microwave. I could use this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jersey's a, a special place, and that's why everyone's moving down here, I suppose. <laughs> oh, yeah, but the driving, you know, even just driving the five minutes to work some days is just too much. I love the five minutes to work. My my commute in New Jersey, I had, oh. to, I had to walk a mile to a train station. Stop. I had to take a one-hour train ride. Then I had to walk 18 blocks to work oh, in New York City. Oh, but you're in the city, though. Oh, the but city, the city. The city in fall. But you're in the city, AT. Autumn in New York. Oh. And we can just run. I'm like, oh, I left something at home. Five minutes, 10 minutes. BFD. Oh, yeah. Like, no I, deal. I, like, I'll be back in 10 I love, minutes. I mean, home for lunch. Make, take home my, for lunch. Take my little afternoon siesta. Home <laughs> for lunch siesta is truly elite I, like, blast. Everyone's like, <clears throat> don't you want to go na work national? I'm like, why? Do Folks. you get to have an hour lunch at home every day? <laughs> yeah, like, do I you, do. do I do. I'm going to commute? Yeah. I do. I love living five minutes from work. Uh, I, I just. Know, I people know. are probably like listeners like, okay, we get it. You guys are so great. We're I like, just, we know. I never <laughs> thought as such a New Jersey guy, a Northeast guy, that I would adapt so well to this sort of slower Southern lifestyle. Such a life could exist. Yeah. If, if anyone out there has any examples of this, let us know. Call in, yeah. please. Like, and that's just the fact that like I don't have. Like, I can park my car in my backyard, walk in the door. Like, yeah. I'm not, like, having to park in a garage, then the elevator, like, ugh. I was in an argument luxury. with someone this week. That's luxury to me, folks. Who, they moved down here from Boston, and they said they missed snow. Oh, just and stop it. And I said, it. don't lie. You don't miss snow. Do you miss having to wake up at 2.30 in the morning because you know it snowed 10 inches, so oh you have to God. go clear your car off because you know it's going to snow another 10 inches? There's there. I think I, was, I saw something. There's still snow from the winter at the Minneapolis airport. I believe that. The piles. Nice the and, mountains. Nice the mountains. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> Just, 
I guess that's just what life is now. Uh, be the airport snow, folks. Hey, be on, there. On that note. Be there for your friends. On that note. Be there for us. Gavin, hit them with the numbers. Say goodbye. We love you all so much. <laughs> Have a good weekend. We're back in studio. Wasting We're back your in time. studio, guys. If you are in Miami. If you've made it this far, we love you. We love you. You have to call them. You have to call. this far. 803-6569. We have a lawyer on retainer, and you will get sued if you don't call. Anyway, say goodbye. Goodbye, folks. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCTV.org and South County Public Radio at Oregon. Don't forget to support your local newspapers. Be like Daniel. Give us a shout. 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Ugh. Wet chewing. Wet. Wet. <laughs> Don't put another one in. <laughs> I can't. They're so good. Okay, I'll stop. Wet. It's a chew. I love hearing your body function. <laughs>